I hated them because my family loved them and I wanted to pick okay. my own team. And it just, this is what happens when you have a, an obnoxious uh, fan base. Right. And so the first time I met Darren, I was actually a PA mm-hmm. at ESPN and I was prompting Sports Center and he came on to do a segment. And I saw him and I was like, ugh. Instantly, I'm like, <laughs> Did oh. I do it? Was I doing a like Dion dance when I walked out? <laughs> <laughs> And I looked at him. I don't remember if it was after your segment or before, but I, I went up and I introduced myself and I was like, I just want you to know, I really don't like you. And he was like, what? that was the first thing you yes. said to him. I love I'll it. Tell you, I was appalled by it. Really don't. No. And he, he kind of laughed and was like, okay, like why? And I told him about my family and he was like, so you're the dumb one in your family. And I was like, <laughs> So this topic today of uh, what was said by, you got to correct me on the name. No, Zlatan, I want you to try it first. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That was pretty good. There it goes, right? Yeah. So Ibrahimovic said, had one of the greatest, one of the world's best soccer players made a comment about LeBron James today. And he said, LeBron should stick to what he does best. And that's playing basketball. And I want you, Ben, I want you to start this off by reading what was said um, from Zlatan. 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 He is a phenomenal. Wait, sorry. I can't even read. He is phenomenal in what he's doing, but I don't like when people have some kind of status and they do politics. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. See, now we've, we've spoken on this topic yeah. in the past. Yeah, we've touched on it. And today, today's guest is a really good friend of mine. We go way back, and she does not hold back, has never, ever held back. Like, we get into arguments uh, specifically about her Green Bay Packers, but we argue about every damn thing. Today's guest is Liz Gonzalez. And Liz is one of the, you've seen Liz on Barstool. How many, what, how many shows? There's like three or four different shows. She's everywhere. Yeah, we- Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere and nowhere at the same time. XM. Was it XM Radio Sirius Show? XM. Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. So give, me, give us the names of the shows real quick so we don't just. So open. there was Wine Walk. Uh, yeah, I host Wine our Walk. Barstool mm-hmm. Snapchat show. Yep. I did um, our flagship Barstool Radio show uh, back when it was Dave, Kevin, and myself. Um, what, else, what else do I do? I'm everywhere. 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 You're, you're and all nowhere. on. Just name every show and she's been on and it. She's been on the show. Yeah. yeah. So okay. she's a superstar on Barstool and the whole deal. That so might here. be a gross exaggeration, but, but anywho, carry on. <laughs> anywho. So Liz, this is what a topic that, again, we, we, we spoke on this months ago and it got, a, we, we were, we disagreed partially on some of it, but I want your perspective on, on should athletes just dribble? Should athletes just you know, stay in their lanes in in in, in polit- when it comes to political issues or social issues. Should they just stay in their lanes? Absolutely not. In no way. I don't know if you agree with me on this, Darren. Um, no, I think that's so. If you see something happen, you shouldn't say anything because you're not properly justified or trained in that area. Right. I mean, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. People are given the privilege of a platform, and you should use it. And likewise, the idea of politics not being a part of your life, it is a part of all of our lives because guess what? Politics literally involve and designate our lives. Yes. So the idea of it doesn't belong and you stay in your lane, it is literally our lane. It doesn't just seem like we're, that's so, this topic is so outdated. 
Like, it doesn't I mean, make sense. Like, how are we still here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So not only that, but then I was thinking about, I was thinking about, you know, I read through it and you guys know me, I'm rarely on Instagram, but I, I was reading through this and I'm thinking, just think about the, the pioneers. Like, just think of someone who told Muhammad Ali, just stay in your lane. Just think if someone would have said to Bill Russell, hey, man, don't worry about all that. You just dribble the basketball. Don't, you know, you don't have to march and be a social activist. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Jackie Robinson, one of the greatest baseball players ever, he stood up. They told him to take his black ass to the back of the bus specifically, and he said, no, man, not doing it. There's so many Great athletes. I'm not just talking about athletes, but in general, people that took a stance and used their voice and their platform for greatness and, and took it on the chin, took beatings and got, you know, you know yelled at, screamed at, and, and, and ostracized. I just, today, in today's time, it just, it's a shame to, to see these type of comments come and try to basically quiet someone's voice. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron James, I don't care what it is. Uh, if he's speaking on it, if he has the platform and feels that he's rightfully so to speak on it, speak on it. And I, I think that's the part of it that just really irked, my, so irk, irked me. So I wanted to start off with that. I wanted to get your point of view because I was hoping you were going to come the opposite way so we could argue again, but evidently. No, no, because we, you know what? alignment. It's- and maybe this is one of the few times, this might be the only time we agree with each other on this podcast. So enjoy while it lasts. Uh, no, but also part of the, the reason and really the problem with this is that we've politicized a lot of things that have really should have nothing to do with politics. Yeah. The way people are treated and the opportunity people are given should not be a political issue, shouldn't be a left or a right platform that needs to take a stand. It should be, it is our job as human beings to treat each other as human beings. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. So true. Yeah, the ga- I mean, the game's changed, you know. That is a very old-school mi- mentality of, hey, I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm going to do what I do. And maybe I-, I didn't see the quote. I mean, I just read the quote. So I don't know how he said it. I don't know the context he said it. Maybe he was just giving advice and that, hey, it's just not worth the headache to try to jump in that. But that doesn't mean what you guys are saying is wrong or right. I disagree. I actually totally agree with what y'all are saying. Who knows? Maybe that's what he was just trying to say was, yeah. hey, it's just not worth the headache. But yeah. that's also to horrible your advice. Po- exactly. It's and to always your worth point, the Darren, <laughs> and to your point, Darren, it's like, well, if Muhammad Ali hadn't spoken up or all these people that made change, if yeah. they had never spoken up because they wanted to be, then quote unquote, comfortable. Yes. Right? Yeah. Then where would you, we you be? You said all the time, you got to be disruptive. Yes. It's and not comfortable to be disruptive. It's not, man. And that's the thing is like that, that's what inspires me about these young athletes is that they're being disruptive and they don't care what people think. And, and that's the only way you, you, get, you have gains in life is that sometimes you got to say some things or yeah. feel a certain way or take a stance for things to change. Right. So, and, and you know what else is interesting is if you agree with somebody, oh, yeah, speak up, say it, yeah. keep saying it. If you disagree, that's, oh, just stay in your lane, dude. Right. Don't, don't, you need to quiet down. Exactly. Nobody right. wants you know to be I mean? unpopular. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All so. right. So we're with Liz Gonzalez, and we briefly went over it. But Liz is, again, uh, the famous – Barstool, which I like, I've known this girl. She's my, like my little sister. I've known her for so long and I've seen her grow over the years. But Liz, we want to start just with your story. You want to talk about the journey. And on this show, we always talk about, uh, you know, going back to your childhood and, and how your, your family dynamics and how you were raised and your dreams. And that's where we want to start. We want to start with, you know, growing up, where'd you grow up and what, what was the family life like? 
Well, I'll start that by talking about how you and I met mm-hmm. because I think he doesn't want to say exactly how we met because he's, it's a shameful story on your end, sort of. <laughs> what uh, did I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, be quiet. Damn. Mute, mute no, his mic. Not, mute his mic. I want to hear <laughs> this. Continue. Not shameful, but we did, we met with my insulting you. Do you remember that? Was it about the Packers? Or it, it, was was about, about Packers? it was about, it was namely about yeah. my, okay. my hatred uh, for oh, the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. As growing I just up met in you. I remember I and lived you. in Dallas and I couldn't Fort believe Worth, it. I was Dallas. like, I was appalled when she said it. I was so hurt. Like I, you like green and not the star. Like, well, go ahead. You tell the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously growing up in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. especially in the nineties where it was, you know, the boys will be boys era and all that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That whole scene, my family die hard cowboy fans. Mm. I mean, obnoxious, annoying, you know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So you admit they're what's obnoxious your, and your annoying. What's your uncle's name? Right there? <laughs> Myron. Myron. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Myron. What's up, homie? But yeah, so it, I hated them because my family loved them, and I wanted to pick okay. my own team. And it just this is what happens when you have a, an obnoxious uh, fan base. Right. And so the first time I met Darren, I was actually a PA mm-hmm. at ESPN, and I was prompting Sports Center, and he came on to do a segment. And I saw him, and I was like, "Ugh!" Instantly, I'm like, <laughs> "Did oh. I do it? Was I doing my Dion dance when I walked out?" <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him. I don't remember if it was after your segment or before, but I I went up and I introduced myself, and I was like, "I just want you to know, I really don't like you." And he was like, what? That was the first thing you yes. said to him? I love I'll it. I'll tell you, I was appalled by it. Really don't. No. And he, and he kind of laughed and was like, okay, like why? And I told him about my family and he was like, so you're the dumb one in your family. And I was like, or the smart one, the only smart one, but that, that's so how So just he, immediately uh, the yeah. gloves were off. Oh, they were off, brother. We were, we were brawling. I love that it. It's a lot like the first one. time I met you and I said, I, I thought I was getting to train Charles Woodson. Yeah, see, you know, you watch your mouth. See, that's another Packers. There's two, yeah. two safeties with the last name Woodson that are better than you, sir. <laughs> See, you hear this? This is what I deal with. Liz. Just waiting yeah. for the day he'll be our defensive coordinator. That's yeah. all. <laughs> the not. better Woodson, no, I would he's say. Not. No, yeah. he's not. He's not going to do it. Okay, so start. Anyway. So go back. Let's go to the childhood. And what was that like growing up in, in was it Arlington or Fort, Fort Worth? Fort Worth. Right? Fort in Fort Worth. Texas. Why can't you say Fort Worth? Because yeah. it's, it's always putting it's me like in Dallas, Arlington. I didn't know that. It's because it's a funky. There's a reason they call it funky town. Um, so I am a first generation Mexican American. My mom uh, came to the States when she was around 19 mm-hmm. and was a worker. I don't really know my father. So it was, mm-hmm. she, you know, big time single mom working seven days a week, that whole thing. Uh, fortunate that she was one of 10 or is one of 10. I'm sorry. One of 10 kids. So I had a lot of aunts and a lot of oh. uncles to keep me in check. It was definitely not treated like an only child growing up. Um, and I lived with them. For a while. So it was my grandma, my grandpa, all 10 kids. In the and one house? In the one two-bedroom Good, house. Nice. It was wow. two bedrooms for a long time. Uh, no privacy. So always all up in each other's business. Very loud. We're Mexican. We're right. very loud. Yeah. It's just how we do things. <laughs> I, didn't know that. I would have never have guessed. No. <laughs> Don't say You met my uncle. <laughs> yes, I did. And and in the summers and during Christmas break, my two cousins from Houston would come up and stay there. Mm. So then you you tack on two more people. Good night. So we grew up talking, eating, and always around each other. Is that where you think you sharpened your skills? Like, is you the fighting gift with gap. them? Yeah. I was gonna say you got to <laughs> yes. stand out amongst twelve other people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, we would get in arguments, football arguments, all 
the time. So what about school? How were you in school? Was it was it pretty easy for you? Was it was there a struggle growing up as far as your your uh, academics at all? Not not really, actually. Um, I was fortunate in that department. My I moved schools a lot when I was little because mm-hmm. I went to a bunch of like public schools and mom was trying to put me in a situation. We weren't in the best neighborhood. So she was trying to figure out a way to keep me out of trouble mm-hmm. and what school would give me, you know, the, the better chance. And eventually she ended up taking out a loan and sending me to a very, very small uh, Catholic school in mm-hmm. Fort Worth. And so that kept me out of, out of trouble, I would say, and out of, you know, the, everything, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Here, and like all the yeah. shit that happens like in neighborhoods. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't exposed to a lot of it in school for that reason. So, so was the neighborhood, was it like. The what, hood? Was it, were you in the <laughs> yeah. hood? The okay. emphasis on the hood. I love okay. it. So did you know, okay, that, this is a question I do have for you. Did you know you were poor back then? Well, you know, it's funny because when you're a kid, that's really all you know. Right. So it's it's hard for you to compare. And I didn't have uh, growing up, I didn't have wealthy friends until really middle school. And I remember going over to a friend's house and being like, "Wow, like, look at all this so, like food they have!" And they had like you said that exact same thing. Same thing. Did you say this? Oh my god! Right. This dude had ding dongs in his yeah. I was like, what Fruit in the world? <laughs> Real cereal that it just wasn't a yellow box that said cereal uh, on it. Yeah, yeah. like Captain Crunch. I had to spell Cheerios. out Captain Crunch. What in the hell? Cocoa, you know, nibs oh, yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So that's, it's like, oh, shit. Because I wasn't allowed to go to the grocery store with my mom. Why? Because I always wanted too many things. <laughs> and eventually it would turn into a fight where I would be like, but it's only $2. And she's like, right, but I don't have an right, extra $2. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's only $2. Right. So eventually she stopped, uh, she stopped taking me to the grocery store with her and would leave me at my grandma's oh, and she would right. come, you know, she'd pick me up and she would have grocery and I'd be so pissed. You know what my mom used so to say? Mad. She used to, we used to go to the grocery store. She says, you know what? So don't ask for shit because you ain't getting shit. So you can stay in the car. We used to sit in the car. That's Damn, my mom left me at my 115 degrees in Arizona. Yeah. Just don't stay, ask stay for shit because you ain't getting shit. I heard that early on. I was like, I ain't, I ain't going in then. Yeah, yeah so. I was always a fighter. I was a person. I'm like, oh, I won't ask for anything. And then, but in my head, I'd be like, okay, but maybe I can, yeah. I can con her into you know a chocolate bar or whatever. Right. Big arguments, big fights, so, and then I'd create a scene. So yeah, I wasn't allowed to go to the grocery store. So did your mom? I'm, I'm sure everyone in your family, all 15 that was in the, in the house, they probably thought you were going to be an attorney or something because you argued so well. <laughs> what was was there something in mind that you wanted to do at a young age? When I was really young, I wanted to be a vet, but mm. then I soon realized that dogs die when you're a vet, and you, get, you have to see it because right. obviously that happens, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm totally yeah. out of that. But that was what I wanted to be for a long time because I loved uh, animals. And then I think as I started get, you know, getting older, sports, it was the idea of do what you love. And I'm like, well, this is like what I do and what my family does. Like right. we, we would watch football all day. It's what we did. So were you playing any sports as well? Or Hell was it no. just you did? Really? I was so unathletic. Yeah. So what was it about sports then that if you didn't play it, why, did you, why were you so drawn to it? I think it's the family that it was like the one time that, you know, that we all sat down for the same mission. Even if we were against uh, each other, it uh, was like yeah. you, you gather around, you talk about it, you have arguments about it. It brings you together. There's, there's something in common, even, you know, despite the age differences, because I was... I mean, I have an aunt that's five years older than me, but for the most part, it was, you know, from five all the way to 15, but mm. there's the one thing that kind of unifies mm-hmm. you. 
So was it just football? Because I know football, you could talk circles around my ass in football, but was it just football or was it basketball, baseball? What were the other sports that basketball, you Basketball, I never watched growing up, mm. ever. That's yeah. also why, like, I'm not, I know very little about college and the NBA because I never, it, I never connected to it. Uh, and we would go to baseball games. We'd go to Rangers mm-hmm. games at the old ballpark before they, although they're building a new ballpark yeah. too, aren't they? It's already just finished. Oh, it's yeah. already yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's it's a cool, finished? Yeah, it's oh, yeah. a really they played cool it last, Actually, they played the yeah. World Series in it last yeah. year. Oh, see. that's right. Yeah. That's right. I just haven't seen it in person. Yeah. I haven't been here in a long time, obviously. What yeah. is it? What is it? Uh, no, it's it still Globe Life, Life, but they've yeah. got a whole like retail restaurant. I mean, it's a cool, yeah, like, nice. they call it Rangers, Texas Live is what they call it. So it's a cool. Globe Life, that's right. I haven't seen that. It's been a bit, but yeah. Um, so we used to go to Rangers games, and there was actually a period there where we went to hockey games um, because my stepdad's company mm-hmm. had tickets. So this was back when the Dallas Stars were, and I actually don't know anything about hockey anymore either, but back then I used to follow them, and that was during the year that they won the Stanley the Cup. The Madonna yeah, years. Yeah, Hatcher. Yeah, Hatcher, yeah. They were, circa man. like 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about work ethic because to get to where you are takes an insane work ethic. You talked about your mother working seven days a week. What did she do? What did she show you? What was that like growing up, just from a work ethic standpoint? Yeah, I mean, shout out my mom, for, yeah. for sure. I, I learned not to complain about working hard mm. right out of the gate. Because yeah. there was no, you know, I'm, it was always, I have the privilege of being able to work this much. Other mm-hmm. people aren't, you know. That's good. So she, yeah, she worked all the time. I, re- I think I resented it a bit when I was younger, mm-hmm. because obviously I didn't spend you know, a lot of time with her as she was working so much. But she worked at a, um, when the moment she came to do, uh, to the States, she started working at a meatpacking factory. And, and she did for years and years that that was the, her job. She was quality control at, at the time was standard meatpacking. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point um, it was bought out by several different companies and then Tyson ended up buying them out. And that was in maybe the last 15 okay. years or so. Um, so yeah, she worked in, in a freezer. Mm-hmm. All day, wow, and nobody hates the cold yeah. more than my mom. So yeah. she, that's, that's she ain't going change. back to that, huh? Yeah. Hell no. Now it's like <laughs> she did it; it's done. Yeah. yeah, but let's let's pull on that a little bit because, and we talk about this all the time. Wherever you are, because I can't think, I can't imagine she dreamed about being in a meatpacking plant, but she did it because she knew she had to. That's got to rub off on you growing up, knowing the sacrifice she made. And going and showing up, mm-hmm. doing something maybe she didn't enjoy, but doing it to provide for me. What oh, yeah. sort of impact did that make on you? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, and for her, um, she has a fifth grade education. Oh. So she always pushed school on me for that reason. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see you working at a you know, meatpacking mm-hmm. factory when you grow up. So education <sighs> was never an option. And so maybe that's why it almost, I wouldn't say came naturally, but there was no other, I never had a thought in my head of, College is not an option. It was always mm-hmm. just like, this is what, and I was the first person in my family, I guess, second, sorry, to, to go to college. So it was not something that I was common, mm-hmm. but you're doing it. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, all right, well, like that's yeah. exactly what it's going to be. And, and she, credit to her, man. She seriously worked. Yeah. That's really, awesome. really impressive. And, and to this day, she said that, you know, in, in Mexico, beyond fifth grade, you have to pay. It, there's no free education. Oh, really? Or at the time, anyways. I'm not uh-huh, sure if that's uh-huh. still the case, but at the time, uh-huh. definitely. So not, they weren't public schools back then? I mean, you actually paid for, to go to school for You had education? to pay. There were public schools till fifth grade, and then on the little ranch that she grew up, there wasn't any other. Mm-hmm. So you had to go to the city 
to go to, you know, sixth grade and beyond uh. and pay. And then also, you know, the bus fare to get there and all this stuff. And like she grew up very, 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 very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, no electricity, no running water. I mean, all this stuff. So That's there nice. was zero shot that that was it. You yeah. know, you're done. And only really only fifth grade because it was there and available. But but she was a little nerd when she was young, and she really wanted to go to school, and, and it just it didn't happen. Wow. wow! So you were in high school. What school did you go to? In, in Pascal. Pascal. Shout okay. out Pascal Purple Panthers. Or worth Pascal. Okay, that's right. All right. They even have a football team. I'm just asking. Yes, uh, I just, they do. I, 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 as I a matter of fact, I think they're O for the last ten years. But they're <laughs> excuse me, we won like two games when I was in high school. Thank you very much. Not. <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at Pascal. I just, just want to ask a simple question. Two yeah. games so. is not nothing, okay? <laughs> it may have been three, too. <laughs> Don't shortchange us. So, so you went we to We were in a hard district playing Arlington Lamar. I mean, come on, yeah, give us credit. Okay. Yeah, All that's right. right. Eight man. Okay, so <laughs> you, play, you, you went to school. So in high schools, what, what's the thought process of going to college? Were you your freshman, sophomore year? Were you thinking, okay, I'm going to go to college. This is what I want to do. Was there a game plan on what you wanted to do in life? I don't think I ever really, <laughs> looking back on it too, I don't even think that I necessarily wanted to go to college. It was just like, that's what's going to happen. Right. Um, and I fell in love with New York when I was young. And then mm. my, and, but I visited for the first time when I was a freshman uh, in high school. And I'm like, this is, I'm going to school here. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, that's just what's going to happen. So in the end, I applied to NYU and Columbia, rejected from both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up at, at Texas, which I grew up a Longhorn, so that was still a little acceptable, I would yeah. say. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's still a better school than I could ever get into, so. <laughs> <laughs> you both. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> at Texas, what, what was life like at Texas? I actually, I loved high school. I, like, I had a blast in high school and uh-huh. made, like, you know, my best friends were from high school. In college, um, I had a lot of fun my freshman year and did, you know, Partied a ton, and right. you know, yeah. no That's underage Austin. drinking, of course. <laughs> no, right. no, of course no, not. just yeah, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, had a lot of fun, and then I was kind of over it by my sophomore year, and that's when I'm uh, figured out like I had a game plan to, I guess, exit <laughs> in, right. in a certain way. So then I studied abroad, uh, summer first semester of my junior year. Okay, where'd you go? To Italy. Okay, the program mm. put me. I was in Florence mm. for three weeks and Rome for about four months. Wow. And, uh, oh, I will say, though, worth mentioning, certainly, uh, when I was there was the Rose Bowl against USC. So Ah. had a pretty good, let's not forget about something very important there, that very important piece to the puzzle, (laughs) Vince Young and the Rose Bowl against USC and Reggie Bush, who stole his Heisman. Your team. USC, even though you went to a different school, Darren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But no, so I, I watched... The, the wine episode with Reggie. Yeah, he she, wasn't too happy with me. Yeah. And I would, I, you know what? And I, I almost took offense to, to your attitude. And if you're, if you're listening, you got to go on. How do they find that episode with uh, you? Just on, type in, yeah, uh, Barcelona. Yeah. YouTube.com. Uh, yeah, but I just want to find, be specific. Wine here. Walk Reggie Bush. But I'm watching this and I'm like, that's uncomfortable. That was a really, and that's, that's one of the things that I want to eventually get to is like, you don't mind being in that place no. of uncomfortability. And, and it speaks to you individually because you're, you're at University of Texas, which is, a, I mean, if you live in Texas, it's hard as hell to get in that school, one. Mm-hmm. And then you travel abroad, and this is something you're doing alone by yourself. Mm-hmm. So where does that come from? I mean, you're, you're okay 
with being in an uncomfortable setting. Is that the way you were brought up or is that something that you just strive to do? I'm actually not sure the answer to that question. It, it just, I don't care what people think mm-hmm. and I genuinely don't. And I think that that's a good thing and also a bad thing mm-hmm. because you, there should be some sort of level of, um, especially in, in my industry and I, I just, it doesn't matter. So there's a lot of things that I maybe don't go out of my way to do that other people do uh, just because I, I don't want to do it mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do it just to please the public or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. Uh, so there, there's a good and bad element there. But the good part certainly is that I've always kind of done what I wanted to do and figured out a way to do it. Right. Very much the mentality of there's no such thing as, as no. Mm. If I was setting abroad, for example, um, I took out a loan. I, there was no money to, you know, for me to do it. I'm like, I'll take out a loan. I'll figure it out. Very much like I'll figure it out. Right. It's kind of, I, I yeah. guess, my, my life uh, anthem there. Yeah. And yeah. there's no, for better or for worse, there's no fear of failure huh. because I don't, maybe it's a spiritual thing, but I don't believe in mistakes. So mm-hmm. I very much am of the mindset of if I get there and it doesn't turn out the way I think it's going to or the way I hope it's going to, It'll turn out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. right. And you know what's so special about that? That is, that's a great way to look yeah. at it. What's so special about that, Liz, is this. And I'm, I'm going to give you Don't a do little it. love. I'm going to give you a little love <laughs> on this Uh-oh. one. Are we recording? But Can we the make sure? The mics are about to explode here. <laughs> but most people that go, like, when you look at those that study abroad, most of those people usually have something to fall back on because they've had, they've had some financial support or family support in that process. It wasn't like you had that financial support. Maybe you had the family support, but you didn't have, like, you wanted to go do this, and no one was cutting checks for you to go do that. And that's, to me, that speaks to who you are because I've seen the progression of your life. And, and I want everyone to learn, and, and especially young women that are out there, to hear your story because there's so many ups and there, these downs and these things that you did in your life, you had to go do in your life that was like, shit, you know? It was on you to do it. So you graduate from college. What's the next step after that? What did you want to do after college? I wanted, I wanted to be a sports reporter. Yeah. And I had no experience. And I actually then, so right out of college, I started waiting tables. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to you know, save some money, figure out what it is that I want to do, come up with a plan, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to do it. And I actually, and you're going to... This is a little bit embarrassing to admit, but I was watching Mamma Mia with my mom. The show? Wow. The, the I literally fell asleep in that movie. <laughs> in the theater, I fell asleep. <laughs> so it's good to know it was life-changing for you. Uh, look, I said, it, I said uh, it's a little bit embarrassing that, it, well, you guys don't even know the embarrassing part. I'm not embarrassed about watching Mamma Mia. It's that I, I was watching with my mom and I looked at it and I'm like, man, that's really beautiful. I'm like, I want to move to Greece. Mm. And mom was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, no, that's what I'm going to do. So I waited tables for another six months, saved up money, and I moved to Greece for, I mean, it was about six, seven what? weeks, not, not a long period of time. Right. <laughs> but, but I went and I, and I lived on, uh, in Santorini on, on Parissa Beach uh-huh. and just kind of wow. took it in for- So six months. Did no, 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 six, seven weeks. No, no. That, that you, was how there. long did you wait tables? Oh, to- in total, a year. But six months of saving for that specific, for that specific yeah. specific. So did you write this down? Here we go with this. Yeah. Did you write this goal down? Or how did, you, how did you get to, how did you accomplish this? Stay laser focused. Mm. That was uh. it. I mean, it was, 
I knew what I wanted to do. And I like the moment I know that I want to do something, I'm like, that's it. It's how do we get that done? Let's get that done. So what's your protocol? So first of all, I'm a, well, to this day also horrible at saving money. I am not good at saving money. It is not one of my, one of my best virtues. And it was tough because especially as a wine drinker, you know, you spend 50 bucks here, yeah. 40 bucks there, 80 bucks, and it adds up quickly. So I was, I limited myself a lot in what I could spend. And I also had the good fortune um, to live with, with Sylvia and Myron. Right. So I wasn't paying rent. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. I, I saved up money and ended up getting in a lot of credit card debt. Mm. Also, as a result, because as it turns out, I did not save up enough money <laughs> when I got there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went and my mom was like, I cannot believe we should have never turned that movie on. <laughs> Damn, mama. Mia. How was the experience? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, I would not take that back. And I paid off that credit card debt for years. Mm. Um, wouldn't take it back. But you wouldn't take it back? Oh, absolutely What not. did you do over there? Like, what, what was Nothing, the day like? Nothing, really. Um, I, I just spoke to the locals. Um, I was staying in this super, like, super shabby, <laughs> like, just shitty. I'll just say yeah. it was like a dump. Right. Um, this teeny tiny little hotel, but it was one block away from, from the beach. Mm, okay. And had a pool nice. that looked like, I mean, like a pool in the hood that basically is, like, drained and <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but it worked. I think it was, I think I was paying maybe $19 a night. 19 Jeez. or 29 Wow. Very cheap. Huh. Uh and, and I made it work. And yeah. I just spoke to locals. I tried to, well, I tried to learn how to speak Greek. Very difficult language to uh, learn how to speak, yeah. especially when the alphabet is completely different. Good luck. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I just kind of relaxed. And the moment I got back to, to the States, I was like, all right, I had fun. Time to get to work. So you knew it was short term. You, you yes. weren't planning yeah, yeah, yeah. on, okay. So you knew six months or six weeks just to say I did it. Right. And then I'm going to go back. So yeah. what did you do when you came back? Came back and... Um, tried to figure out like what, you know, financially I, I just took like actually ended up doing like really r- random like odd jobs and then um, went back, went up to New York a couple months after that to look for apartments, did not find an apartment. Not $19 a day, by the way. Yeah. Definitely not everything. Uh, and I made up this budget of $1,500 a month. I don't even wow. know exactly where I came up with this number. Mind you, I had like $0 at this point. Right. But I'm like, that's... Start somewhere. That's, that's my budget. <laughs> that's the most that I can spend. You can't get a lot in New York. I, thank God, back then, you could get a lot more then right. than, now, than yeah. now. Now yeah. it's... And this now was, you, closet. you know, 14 years ago. Wow. Now, like... The, yeah, good luck. Maybe a closet, like, deep in, like, Brooklyn or Jeez. deep in Queen. I mean, Different but... World. Couldn't find one, and I'm like, well, but I'm ready to move. So I came back to Texas, ended up signing a lease online with a place that I never saw, mm. and mm. was like, this looks right. I mean, I'm ready to do it. We got to do this. Rented a U-Haul, drove up, and moved in, and didn't know a single person in New York, did not have a job, <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm going to be a sports reporter because that's what I said I'm going to do. Okay, so we get, let's talk about the sports reporter dream. Because this is a dream that you had. You didn't have a, really didn't have a plan. Now you're in New York City. What was the first thing you needed to do? First thing I did was um, the very next day, I went around and handed my resume to restaurants. Because I'm like, I need to, let's, let's handle rent. Right. And I found a job that day and started working the following day. It was an immediate thing. And once that happened, um, and I knew that I had income coming in, then I started making calls. I called 
every single TV station, every agent, every newspaper, everything you could possibly imagine in like the New York metro, even places like outside of the city mm-hmm. that did not have public transportation that went there, which didn't make any sense because I didn't have a car. So mm-hmm. I don't know how I thought I was going to get there, but I called, oh God, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of places, left messages, wrote letters, sent emails, oh, went knocking. And I don't even know if this would work anymore because everything is so, you know, digitized. Digital, but yeah, yeah. Ended up meeting <laughs> and on one of those calls, um, I kept calling this agency and they represented Mike and Mike Mm -hmm. and I kept calling and calling different people. And there was a gentleman there, Brian Jacobs, who I kept calling and I would leave voicemails. And I, you know, on one day that I called, he answered and he was like, are you the person that keeps calling me? (laughs) It's like, sure am. (laughs) And he thought it was really funny. Uh He was like, I can't like, and I'm like, I just, I just need five minutes of your time. If you can just give me five minutes and he was like, all right. And he gave me an appointment and I went up to Midtown in this fancy building, you know, mm-hmm. dressed fan, dressed like I thought a sports reporter would, <laughs> would dress and, and had a five minute meeting with him. And he's like, all right, well, you know, how can I help you? And I told him, well, I want to be a sports reporter. And he's like, well, let me see, you know, let me see your, your okay. reel. Yeah. Well, I don't have one. <laughs> That's my next question. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, what sort of experience do you have? Well, I don't have any. Do you have at least like a college reel or something that were you like a couple of? No, I didn't do. I didn't do this in college. All right. <laughs> well, and I was like, but I promise you, if you represent me, <laughs> one day it'll be worth it. <laughs> and he's like, I can't represent you because I can't get you a job because you don't have any experience. <laughs> and you know, credit to him because he just thought I think I was you know this precocious. Yeah. Strange person, <laughs> both of which are true. Yes. <laughs> and he gave me some advice and he's like, you know, I think that uh, you should you know, really work on getting experience, getting, you know, on camera experience. It's probably tough. Maybe start behind the camera and figure out, you know, work your way in that way. And then when you're there, you can, you know, kind of see it, how people do. And he mm-hmm. said, and I will never forget, he said that most um you know, on camera talents or reporters, whatever the case may be, don't have the behind the scenes experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it helps. Mm, you see things right. from a different perspective when you see, when you were a producer and you see how things are done. Uh, and obviously nobody was handing me a job. So that's kind of what I did was go the back route. Mm-hmm. And he actually uh, is my agent. Now, he, Brian, wow. really today, Brian helped me all along. The moment I kept in touch with him, you know, he gave me advice when I got um, my first job writing. I let him know. And he was like, great, like Liz, you know, keep it up. Just a, a wonderful human being. And when I got to ESPN, I yeah. was like, guess what? And he's like, that's awesome. Kind of celebrated me all the way. And when I got. <laughs> no, we can't. We got. OK, so right there. So you leave Brian. How do you end up at ESPN? And was ESPN the first place you, you wrote to? Hold on. Before we get to that, sorry, not to interrupt. I, I don't want to skate past what you did to get in front of Brian. Because, Darren, yeah, that is true. how many people yeah. do we talk to? Oh, I called twice and nobody answered. And, yeah. like, I guess it's just not for Hung me. Hung up. Yeah. This no was, that was it. They heard no and that was it. They that's it. Me. We yeah. just fold back. But the fact that you were so relentless, that's incredible. And I don't want anybody to miss that because yeah. what you just said is pure gold. Yeah. For if you want something, you got to be relentless for it. And I love that. 
So kudos to you. That's awesome. If you don't feel like you're the most annoying person in the world, you're not doing it right. <laughs> That's so true. That's so good, man. <laughs> okay, you go on. So you write down, you, are you writing down places that you can get some study in, like ESPN or why not like a local station? I tried. Can I mean, granted, local was New York City right. um, there, but then I was also just reaching out to super, I, I, I don't remember what the website is, but whatever like media job website I applied to everything. I was like submitting here and there and, and no, nobody, nothing, just, just crickets. And my first, I guess, sports job, um, I started writing for collegefootballnews.com mm-hmm. for the Big 12 because I waited on the man that would become my editor. And just like in chit-chatting with him, mm. I was like, well, can I send you some samples? And so that was my first, you know, sports job. And then from there... Actually, about a year later, um, I had been talking to the Giants, okay. and they were starting to f- try to you know get some on camera work done, and they were building you know their their sets. And I had a couple of interviews with them, and it kind of seemed like it was there was no guarantee of a job, but it was very much almost leaning that way. Yeah. I felt good about it. I talked to them. I'd met people, and then the lockdown happened. Oh, yeah. And I was obviously like very upset. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. And yeah, I spoke to them, and they were like, just, just hang on. You know, let mm-hmm. let's see where this goes. Let's see how long this lasts. Nothing has been, you know, canceled at this point mm-hmm. or shut down. Obviously, it went on a lot longer than everybody hoped. Yeah. So yeah. that project of theirs was the first to go because, yeah, you know, why would you spend residual ink on on something that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that went away, and I spent that day. I remember. I got wasted and cried for maybe like two whole, two whole days. It was maybe the whole weekend. And then the following Monday or whenever it was, I'm like, all right, that's it. Mm. I, I felt sorry for myself for this period. Time to move on. And I started sending out applications. And randomly, I came across ESPN, was looking for production assistance, and I submitted it. They called me two or three days later uh, for an interview. Right. A phone interview. So and you got in the car and drove all the way to Bristol? No, it was a phone interview. Oh, it was a phone interview. Okay. And they caught me off guard. <laughs> and, and I got very nervous. And I'm not one to usually get it, but I was like, oh, my God, this is, uh. yeah. And I couldn't even tell them. They, they, at one point, they, they quiz you on, like, just super, super basic mm-hmm. uh, sports stuff going on. And one was, uh, who played in the Super Bowl this year? And I don't remember who it was now because – but I believe it was the Giants and the Patriots, and I couldn't, and it had just happened. And I couldn't remember because I was so nervous, and I was like, you know, you know, um, Tom Brady is their quarterback. And, and Tom Brady is their quarterback. <laughs> totally froze. Was, and and I, I hung up, and I'm like, there is that, no, no way, way they're calling me back. The guy ended up calling me back because he thought I was like, he thought I was funny, that I was like, come on, you know, you know, tell me, you know. Failed that interview. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I ended up at, at ESPN. <laughs> so, you didn't take a house down in ESPN. Did you stay in the city and drive to work or did you? No, no, no. I moved. Okay. You oh, didn't yeah. move to Bristol then? I moved, right I moved to Bristol. Okay. Um, well, first to Brantford, which is right outside of New Haven. Right. Right. And then to West Hartford eventually. Okay. First day on the job, ESPN. Was it what you thought it was? Hell yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. You kidding me? As like a, a sports fan growing up and... You know, I think on my first day, I was walking past the um, 
probably lost the, the Mike yeah. and Mike Studios mm. and Hulk Hogan was in the and it's just like I grew up you know it, oh, yeah. it was oh, just yeah. wild and there there was a lot of moments like that where you would just walk by and and be like oh hey there's Jerry Rice no big deal yeah, yeah. It, it was it was an incredible experience and I have absolutely nothing but love for ESPN they were very good to me. Um, I got to meet you, Darren. Yeah, I was going to say, Hulk Jerry Rice. I was like, waiting, waiting. Got to keep them, got to keep them on their toes. So did you, but your ultimate goal at ESPN was to get in front of the camera. I mean, that's what I remember having those conversations with you. And it wasn't, to me, when I was having those conversations, it felt like it wasn't moving fast enough for you. So tell, tell everybody what you were actually doing at ESPN. So I started off, it did not, what well, felt like it wasn't moving fast enough. Looking back on it, I'm like, that was That's a pretty quick. good pace. Yeah. yeah. But then I was like, oh, it was itching. Uh, I started off prompting. Mm -hmm. So literally turning a wheel. Right. For uh, <laughs> printing out scripts and, and turning a wheel for SportsCenter. But it, it's like everything. It is what you make it. Mm -hmm. I met you through it. I'd be like, yeah. Butchergrass. There was a lot of people that I like made friends with, Sage Steele. Yeah. Purely because you're in front of these people. Right. You can choose to be like, oh, I'm only turning a wheel. Right. Or you can be like, holy shit, like I'm turning a wheel for, you know, Sage Steel. Oh, or, I love that perspective. Yeah. And I talked to everybody. Yes, you did. To everyone. And that was actually where, when I met the most people was prompting and doing, you know, what, what appeared to be remedial tasks. But you're in front of these people, um, getting FaceTime, asking questions, mm -hmm. making fun of them. Yeah. If it's, you know, if the person in question is Darren Woodson. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there are so many. Look, I, I think that's – and this is the, the perspective I want to take away from this is that, you know, Liz was doing the prompter, but it didn't stop her from networking and having conversation because yeah. it wasn't yeah. just me. It was, you know, Trey Wingo and Mark Schlereth mm -hmm. and Teddy. It was everyone that was walking through that you were just having casual conversations with and, were, and you fit. I mean, there was a confidence in there, and that's that's a part of it that I, that that – that I, that I can remember about you is that you didn't feel out of place. You never felt out of place. You felt like you belonged. I think I did. Yeah, I guess I did. It never, it also helps, honestly, that everybody was super, super kind. Mm. Like, I did not run across anybody that had a big ego or that I thought, like, God, this guy is kind of a prick. Right. Um, everybody was really willing to have conversations with you. And maybe part of that is that you're stuck in Bristol, so you have nobody else to have conversations with but each other. Right. So maybe that, if it was New York City, people had somewhere to go, maybe that wouldn't be as, as, as strong of a bond as you know, there was. But yeah, I, I talked to everybody and felt very comfortable because, again, everybody was very kind mm -hmm. and, and warm. Mm -hmm. So did it run out? When did it run out? When did it get to the point where you're like, I, I need to go and grow. I need to get better at what I'm doing. I think when I, I started working on Monday Night Football um, with, with Tariko and, uh, and specifically I, I put together packages and, and film for, for Gruden and would come up with like questions on if you have like J.J. Watt on the bus, mm -hmm. you know, what, what can we come up with? And I remember that Gruden was such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. And I, it was interesting because he actually was in Florida. You know, he was never really right. in Connecticut. But the way he looked at things made me look at things a little different. Mm. And he would also just send us tapes sometimes. Mm -hmm. yep. it, it was, it was just fascinating. And that's kind of when I was like, all right, we got to like, I got to figure out a way to get out of here mm -hmm. because this, what he's doing, like, that's like, that's where it's at. And 
yeah, I mean, I, for months I sent out applications and wasn't receiving anything. And at that point too, uh, because right before actually Monday Night Football, I guess moving backwards a little bit, I worked for the international side of yeah. ESPN. Mm-hmm. And that's where I made a tape because the people I was working for Monday Night Football um, in Espanol mm-hmm. before, you know, American Monday Night Football. And they had like the little mini studios and because all of their people are international, they had a right. like little green screen room yep. with, you know, you could put whatever you wanted in the background and then you could tape things. Mm-hmm. And by that point, because I had met, talked to so many people and formed friendships, they would sit there and just tape me talking. So that, is that the first time mm-hmm. you started getting in front yep. of the camera? In the little small green room? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, the, <laughs> it's like a little closet. It's like those things are old. Oh, yeah. Old little closet. They are closets, basically. They're little closets. Yeah. And I would put up um, whatever that day's, you know, sports center or whatever. It was already loaded into the prompter, so I would just read it off. And I would, you know, come up with some random things and try to do different things for my reel. I actually, and man, she probably thought I was a lunatic. I interviewed Michelle Kwan. Oh, yeah. One time in that little room. Uh-huh. And I had never interviewed anybody in my life. <sighs> So she was my first interview. How, how nervous were you to do that interview? I was nervous. I was really nervous. I remember like my hands were a little sweaty and I remember thinking, oh my God, I just shook her hand. It's sweaty. Like, she, <laughs> she looks like I'm a loser. And she was so nice. And I think she, not I think, she could definitely tell that I was, was new. very new and she was so kind. Awesome. She kind of guided me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, with it. And anybody else would have been like, who the fuck is this girl? Right, right, right. Why am I wasting my time here? And she, yeah, she kind of held my hand through it. And the interview actually, not horrible. Okay. Because of her. I'd love right. to see that reel. Oh, I God. would love that. We're going to dig that one up. We're going to dig that one up. Yeah. I do got to ask, what were people telling you? And more importantly, what were you telling yourself being a female trying to excel in that uh, that industry? Now, at this time, it's, you know, and, and especially nowadays, but... What was it like then for females trying to excel in the sports industry? Well, by that point, um, and I think what kind of opened the gate for a lot of, you know, young ladies is, is seeing Aaron Andrews, you know, do it and be yeah. so, you Amazing. know. Exactly. Yeah. And also and just very personable. Mm-hmm. You know, she seemed like she was having a good time. That's not to say, I mean, like, you know, Pam Oliver, there's plenty of people that did it before, but she was doing it for, call, you know, for college game day at the time yeah. and was just very um, vocal and very much a presence. And so that kind of, you know, if you were a young girl, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, she's, you know, at the time, what, maybe 23, 24, young. Right, yeah. And, oh, well, I can do that too. And I actually never wanted to be a sideline reporter. So for me, it was, it was interesting because I wanted to be on the panel yes. with the boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But most of those boys were, you know, are even professional athletes right. or, or they're men at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Right. And I remember even when, you know, with Brian, with my agent, that he was like, yeah, but those roles don't really exist that much for women. Like, what about, like, the whole, like, sports center anchor thing? I'm like, I do not want to be a sports center anchor. I do not want to be an anchor. I, do, I don't want to be behind a desk and in one place. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it seemed like what you want doesn't really exist. Well, yeah. exist. It's yeah. not really out there. Yeah. Um, so I guess you just, I just may believe that it would <laughs> eventually be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, again, looking back on it, it's like, well. And this was what year? This was, when did, let's see, 2011? Okay. So Is that right? Not that long ago. 2011, 2010, 2010 uh-huh. through 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sage was there. So, it, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, so there had been some growth and some movement. Yeah, um, there definitely had been. Right. Um, it's just that you weren't, it, the, the, you know, the women were either guiding the conversation as right. like the in-between, yeah. Yeah. between the arguments, mm-hmm. or they were reporters, or they were, you know, proper anchors. Right. Okay, so you're there at ESPN, you're going through this process, and you're like, okay, I want to do this. I want to be in front of the camera. And the one question I always had, I needed to ask you, and I've been waiting to ask you this is, what was it like your first time in front of the camera? Like you've been behind the camera, but this was like now you're starting to get a taste. Was it something that you just now, I, this is what I want to do? Was it like a thrill to you or was it like, eh, just a part of it? Oh, it was really fucking exciting. Yeah. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> Especially because in my case, it was in a little closet. So nobody was watching me. Right. So I was like, this is great. This it's is like awesome. you're playing dress up. How many times did you playing dress up in a professional studio yeah uh oh it was so it i had so much fun and i loved it and it wasn't until i saw the footage afterwards that i was like jesus i am really bad (laughs) (laughs) i felt like i was having a great time and really showing personality and you look at it and it's like i look like a robot it's like how is that (laughs) so you do that I'm, same way. I'm like, I'm horrible. horrible. How many times have I said that? I yeah. was like, God, I was God uh, awful. I hate me. Yeah. <laughs> so you do that. And then, and then what's the, what's your mind going? What are you going through? I want to know, like, was there something that you said, okay, I'm going to get in front of the camera here at ESPN or I have to leave and go cut my teeth somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I, of course, can you imagine that? That'd be something. And I think at some point, honest to God, I mean, it was my vanity, but I thought, well, maybe, Maybe, you know, like a tiny part of like a, of a show, you know, maybe right. a Did segment. you ever have that conversation with ESPN? Was there anything, yes. any dialogue? Yes. One of the, the heads of talent there, uh, Maureen, uh-huh. she, she kind of helped me, you know, through everything. And, and I don't even know why, again, um, and guided me and would give me, look at my reel and be like, this is horrible. This is horrible. Take this mm-hmm. out. And she always, and I remember one thing she told me is that I was, that I would sometimes smile too much for no reason. Huh. She's yeah. like, you can't just smile, especially as a woman, for no reason. Why are you smiling? Am I? Well, I don't know. To look warm? No, it looks like you're like a Barbie doll up there smiling. It doesn't. It doesn't look authentic. It doesn't look genuine. Huh. Smile when you have a reason to smile. It's like, okay. Well, I thought I was trying something. to look friendly because yeah. <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it just. <laughs> <laughs> you laughing at I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck <Yeah>. Darren. <laughs> you go, Maureen. I'm glad she checked your ass back then too. So <laughs> continue this. Continue. I'm sorry. I don't even know what I was saying now. I'm too busy cursing you out. <laughs> I think talking about the transition and and you talked to Maureen about being on camera and realized that that probably wasn't going to happen there. So yes. where did you go from there? Oh boy! From there, <laughs> oh Where did you go from there? Where's Abilene, Texas. Texas. Bingo! Yes. Did you really? Yes. yes. That's, That's my hometown. Yeah. Also, I wanted oh, to surprise I know. I was, you with it. <laughs> I was listening yeah. to. I heard that, and I was like, "This poor bastard." It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all about Abilene. God. I remember you now. No, I'm just. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Anyway, oh, that, that's uh, God's town right there, Abilene, God's Texas. God's country. Yeah, Prettiest town I've ever seen, <laughs> yeah. according to George Strait. <laughs> yeah. George Strait is many things. The king, for sure. The king. But this makes him a liar. <laughs> most certainly. Well, let's talk about Abilene. How long were you there? Too long. Too long. Yeah. Too long. Yeah. 10 months? 10 months too long. 10 months too long. I remember the conversation. 
Actually, I, I gotta go to Appalachia. <laughs> and we were talking on the phone. Oh, she man. was like, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm out here Had doing you- this shit. There's, there's nothing but dirt. And <laughs> God. <laughs> and as somebody that loves New York, think about yes. it from that oh, perspective too. Not even just like yeah. a, uh, yeah. I can't, uh, yeah. It was, you know what? The, it was certainly the right place to learn because mm-hmm. I made a ton of mistakes mm. and you need to make the mistakes yeah. and you want to make the mistakes in a right. place where no offense, but nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> Six yeah. people nobody, are watching. Six people. <laughs> actually a lot of people watch the news in Abilene. You should know because there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else yeah. to do. So yeah. they want to know if, yeah. you know, True. if they have a, a pool of standing water, how many mosquitoes are going to, <laughs> are going to, I'm not going to sit here and let you two keep talking about my hometown like this. <laughs> What is the best way to prevent Notice mosquitoes? I don't live there anymore. <laughs> but you know what? You're writing your own material, right? I mean, and you oh, yeah. everything. And you weren't doing sports. You were doing anything. No, 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 no. Okay. It was, it was, uh, no, I, I would pitch stories in the morning and I would go out to, oh. Come on. Brown, Brownswood. It was Brownswood. Brownwood. Right? Get it right. Brownwood. Okay. Brownwood. God, that's, this is just a, <laughs> just a, a an X against my memory. No, no, no offense to Brownwood. But I would drive out there because that was my beat. Right. So not only uh, was Abilene was like New York City compared to Brownwood. Oh, I mean, for sure. And that was another like 35, 40 minutes away. So I would have mm. to drive there and to shoot about, you know, stories about mosquitoes or <laughs> God knows like what fucking else I would have to come up with. I'm about to log off this set right now. I'm feeling so disrespected. <laughs> it's, you know what? Locally, they don't get enough love. It is a really hard job. Yeah. Because what's, if there's nothing going on, like, what are you talking? And yeah. you have to shoot something every day, right. period. So uh, you would come up with yeah. your story. You would go out there. I would shoot it myself. And then I would, you know, do my own stand-up and flip the little camera around to try to, like, get wow. myself in the shot and oh, move geez. around. Um, and then I would go back and edit it. Oh, you had to do oh, all, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. Man, you did that. God. See, that is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really had to, to learn every. You knew a lot. You learned a lot when you were at ESPN, and, that, and that's that's what's so special about it. You went to ESPN. You learned a lot about there, and then you probably took some of that, yeah, to Abilene with you. And now you had to do because I knew you could write. Everyone knew that you were a damn good writer. I mean, every, that was where you started, right? I mean, you started writing early, but now you're in front of the camera. Now you have to do the editing. You have to do a little bit of everything. You think that really, you know, pushed you to the next level as well. It gave me, I have a shit ton of respect for editors and yeah. producers for that. It, it is so much harder than people think it is. And you're constantly on, in this very you know, short time span of things need to get done right now because they have to get done. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough. And um, yeah, and so, but I, you know, I learned how to do it and I'm also technologically inept. So mm-hmm. that was a struggle to figure out how to just like edit, um, but did it. And then eventually I started anchoring the weekends which was a whole different story. So then mm-hmm. I was, you know, formally right. on camera, but I also was the producer of the show. So oh, I was the only, literally the only person there besides, you know, the people that what were running the station board. station are we talking about, by the K-Tab way? K-Tab News. Oh. The number one The number news one station. news station in all of Abilene, Texas. That's right. Wow, and the big everybody. country. That's right. <laughs> Shout out. Channel 10. Shout out K-Tab News. <laughs> Who was there before you? I just got a quick question. Who was there doing this before you? How fast did they leave? The turnaround is pretty quick. I would say yeah. a max of two years. Hey, you need to stop. You need to stop. Nobody's talking trash about Phoenix right now. <laughs> I just ask questions. Hey, just ask questions. 
So you okay? Ten months. I'm hurting a little bit right now. I'm yeah. not gonna, my, my heart's yeah. feeling attacked right He's now. He's always talking about God's country. I just <laughs> thank you for putting it all in a box. So ten months there. Are you re- are you reaching out? Those ten months. Are you reaching oh, out back to New York City or who well, are you reaching no. out to? I was actually under contract, so I knew like I can't. You know, maybe mm. at like a year I can look to maybe leave at a year and a half, but I'm more or less stuck. And then I started doing some uh, football coverage and, you know, West Texas football, right. high school football is, is a big, big deal. Um, so that was cool. And I was actually on, on the path to becoming like the, the proper sports reporter for mm-hmm. them instead of just like dipping in, you know, and dabbling mm-hmm. because the sports reporter that was there, um, Alyssa, Alyssa Orange, she left. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, all right. Like I'm, you know, and they were preparing me for it. And then and what turns out to be like the best, you know, tale of, of fortune, really, sort of. So I ended up, a few months before I left, um, I ended up getting a, this like lunatic stalker mm. that, mm. Yeah, I remember do you remember that. him? Yeah, remember yeah he yeah. was a retired police officer that was forced into early retirement because he started losing his mind a little bit and mm. refused to take his medication. Nice. So he was not necessarily the safest person to be around. And I didn't, at first I thought it was honestly, like I took it very, well, you know, like how I'm like, whatever. I was very lighthearted about it. Mm. And then weird things started happening. He started sending me like old t-shirts of his and wrapping them in bows and dropping them off at the TV station and waiting Mm. for me outside of the TV station and sending me, you know, trophies, very strange things. And then um, this man crawled, like walked across my yard once and Eli, who is my chocolate lab, mm-hmm. the most gent- like the sweetest boy, almost attacked him. And the only reason he didn't is because I grabbed him in time and I was holding mm-hmm. on to the railing. Otherwise he would have like broken through. And I was really embarrassed. And a few weeks later, the police brought me in because they were, it kind of escalated a little bit and I had never seen a picture of him. Mm-hmm. And they showed me a picture of him and I was like, holy shit, that was the guy that was on my yard. Wow. And oh had it gosh. not been for Eli, uh, it was it was a wild experience. He started texting me saying things like, I'm going to go to my ex-wife's house and get my guns back and come to your house. Like really oh, scary shit. So right. I actually had police officers follow me around for, for weeks that would just like stationed outside my apartment and would follow me around to make sure that I was okay. Because mm-hmm. they were very concerned that he was very uh, unstable. That ended up being my get out of jail free card. My get out of Abilene card. Yeah. Oh, get out of Abilene that for free. your contract, or yeah, because it was like all yeah. completely true, and he mm. was showing up, and I became, you know, I felt it, it was it was a lot. Right. It became a lot, and then I'm by myself in this like small town. This guy was like one of the best marksmen in the state of Texas. I'm like, oh, I need damn. to get the fuck out of here. Like, this right. is like some scary shit. And it, coincidentally, like some girl that I, a friend of a friend of a friend who I met once years before. I, don't even, I actually don't even know how she had my email. Sent me an email and was like, hey, I just saw this open up. You should apply for this. And the New York Jets were looking for a reporter. Mm. Huh. And I thought, all right, whatever. Like, I have nothing to lose. I submitted it. They were doing a deal with Monster.com at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think there was maybe like five or 6,000 people that applied to it because they publicized it. And it went from 5,000 to 1,000 to 200 to three that they brought, like they, you know, they flew me mm-hmm. to New Jersey mm-hmm. and from three to one. Wow. Damn, so, look at you. Wild. From yeah. a random email. From a random email from oh, a wow. random person that I hadn't seen in your, like just fate. Wow. So you're back in New York. Get you yeah. back in New York. Yes. 
Okay. Back in New York, doing the reverse commute to New Jersey. Okay. So the Jets, mm-hmm. how long does that last? And what, what's that like? It lasted, it was just a season. So it okay. lasted only a season. And that was like, you know, what my contract was. Um, and they weren't sure they were trying things out. So they had a guy there um, who'd been there for, I think it was like 13 years before they mm-hmm. decided to do on-camera stuff. Um, and so it was myself and him. It was tough. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I have nothing but love for the organization themselves, but he did not want a sidekick. Ah, uh, yeah. He is like he wanted yeah. to be a soloist mm-hmm. on this. It and in some way, like it makes sense. He's you know he's been there for right. thirteen years, and here comes this like random you know chick that's just right. like, hey, I'm really excited to be here. Like <laughs> right. that's got to be annoying. Yeah, yeah. So where'd you go after that? So from there, I went to well, <laughs> I kind of. Stopped reporting altogether for a, a bit. One of the players um, that I became friends with in the locker room, David Nelson, who yeah. was originally from yep. Dallas, yep. Um, talking about Dallas and yeah. Fort Worth, you know, we became friends. And him and his brother were starting a nonprofit out of Port-au-Prince. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I stopped. They, uh, he offered me a full-time job because I was doing just like volunteer stuff for it just because I was interested in it. And that turned into my becoming the director of operations for, uh, for I'm Me. So I split oh. my time between Port-au-Prince, Dallas, and New York. Wow. How'd you like that? How was the, you oh, were. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember God, being involved with some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not, but then you, I mean, so let's go, let's speed up then. So you go through that process and then is it going, is it in your mind that you want to get back in front of the camera at some point? And how does that go? And wh- how, what leads you to Barstool and how, and how does that come about? Yeah. I think that after, well, first of all, everybody wants to save the world. Right. <laughs> It's very hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the most fulfilling job. And also at the same time, I've never felt like a bigger failure. Uh It was like you would help, you know, one kid, Mm -hmm. but then there's thousands and thousands that you have not. And at some point Mm -hmm. it became, I guess my ego wanting to Mm -hmm. just solve and fix it. I'm a Mm -hmm. fixer. So I'm like, I want to fix this. And, and it was hard to not right. be able to really change the landscape in the way that you, you hope. And mm. a little bit, uh, it, was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, did a lot of good, mm-hmm. not nearly enough, because we can never, you know, yeah. do, do enough. So sure. it, it, was, it was hard. And people that work in nonprofits, man, yeah. well, they don't, they don't get enough you. love because yeah. that's, that is a yeah. hard, hard job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, the, but I missed, I did miss, you know, sports and being on camera. And so I came back and started... Um, looking at jobs, uh, Brian right. helped me get a job, and I ended up with Sports Nation freelancing for them. Um, that went to that eventually turned into Comcast in New England, mm-hmm. and then MSG Network in New York, and then Barstool. So you bounced from each, or yes. was it okay doing the same? Were you okay? So now is your role the role that you've been looking for? Has that now been created? So then it was, because that was more or less what I was doing at Sports Nation to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was just like talking shit, essentially. Yeah. About- <laughs> what you do best. I mean, that, that's awesome. I mean, Sports Nation had a role for you. We need someone that can talk shit. Call Liz. Just talking shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the time, it was about fantasy football. But that's the great thing about fantasy. You can talk shit because it's, yeah. it's a game. Yeah. I mean, football is also a game, obviously. But this right. is really yeah. a game about a game. And at MSG Network, I think, was really the the time that it was more set up mm-hmm. in that way. Um, but it was hard because the, the, it was myself and, and a comedian and it was, 
he it was his show and I was mm-hmm. kind of like his sidekick. Right. Um, and it kind of it, it's hard to have it's hard to have a shit talker on right. a show when you. Uh, so I had a few you know small segments um, on the show, and I think that my role was minimized a little bit um, in the process too, just because I think that it, it's mm-hmm. when you have too many voices, right. one's got to go. Right. Uh, and then I had actually been talking to ESPN for a bit about huh. uh, ESPN about radio, and th- this was during the transition over. Uh, to Golik and Wingo, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we were just talking about my, you know, maybe there going back, maybe hosting Snapchat there, right. and you know, so when I was interviewing, I went out to Bristol. We were talking about it. Um, it it ended up falling through. You know, they laid off. Happy, yeah, yeah, a ton a, of people, yeah, a ton of people, and yeah. obviously, you can't bring in somebody new when you're right. laying off right. mm-hmm. such a large. So it ended up not happening, and I, and that was over. I think it was the day before Thanksgiving that they told me, like, it's just, you know. Um, and and that was Trey Wingo who brought me in into, into the mix for there. So uh-huh. lots of love for Trey Wingo. Uh-huh. And I obviously, I was very sad. I was like, this is. And it was the next day was Thanksgiving or the day after. And and I was like, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for, you know, this year. Right. It was like very, like, oh, poor man. me. That's rough. <laughs> oh. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> and two days later. My my agent by that point Brian was mm-hmm. formerly my agent uh, called about Barcel. And what'd you think? And about, I was like, did I didn't, I didn't know that much about Barcel. I'm gonna yeah. be perfectly honest. Like I'm not. Um, I've never been a big internet person in general, mm, okay. which is funny. Like you bring in, yeah. uh, you know, the biggest sports website in America, right. and you bring in somebody that's like, oh, I don't know, I don't right. follow trends, yeah. and so I, which I think was a blessing because I had no. You know, I there was no sense of like, oh, oh, it's Dave Portnoy. Oh my God! Like, right. oh, I was just like, hey. And I think the first thing I said to him when I walked, maybe I should. You know what? Maybe that's the key: is just be rude to people when you first meet them. Just say, make some sort of sarcastic <laughs> asshole yeah. comic. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think when I met, and at that point I already I interviewed. That was maybe my third or fourth interview, and I walked into his office, and it was just a shithole. There was stuff everywhere, <laughs> mm. boxes, papers, clothes. And I walked in and I was like, well, you didn't have to clean up for me. <laughs> and again, and like I think that. if I, w- yeah. if I knew, if I really knew the magnitude of who right. Dave Portnoy, I wouldn't right. have said anything maybe. Right. But instead I was like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. he was like something about like, oh, a, a messy office is like a clean mind or some shit. And I was like, whoever. <laughs> yeah, was I was like, no, no. <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> but yeah. The, and that's, so I went in not knowing and also having zero expectation because I wasn't, Sure, how serious they were. They were starting up mm-hmm. um, Sirius XM, and that's what they were right. hiring for. And initially, it was for uh, the morning show, and then that moved. And then the next time I came in, it was for um, the Dallas Braden show. Mm-hmm. And then through that, <laughs> I ended up somehow interviewing with, with Kevin, with KFC. Right. And then I came back, and that's when Dave brought me into his office, and you know, we were talking about things, and he said something about, like, all right, so uh, when would you be able to move to California? And I was like, what? And he's like, well, yeah, to do, like, the show with Dallas Braden. And I was like, I'm not moving to L.A. Mm. And he's like, what? I thought that they wanted you, like, that they brought you in for the show in L.A. And I was like, I mean, I don't, and this is the Barcel difference right here. And I was like, nobody said anything to me about moving to California I am not interested in moving to LA. Mm. And he was like, 
well, shit. Well, I don't know about like having somebody, you know, remote and virtual doing a show with it. He's like, I don't know. Then, and I was like, well, I interviewed, uh, you know, I did a tape with a taping with Kevin. If you know, you want to, he was like, right. oh, all right. He was like, well, how did that go? And I was like, I think it went really well. And he was like, all right, well, I'll take a listen to that. And that's how I became. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's how I got on, on Barcel Radio with them. Yeah. So you had, <laughs> well, why not? Why not go to LA? I don't like LA. You don't want to go there, huh? Absolutely not. Uh, you hear that, Elizabeth? Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth's like, that's her city. Elizabeth, no that's offense. I'm city. sorry. <laughs> you shit on Abilene. You shit on, on LA. LA. What's next? Damn, I'm not making any <laughs> friends here today. That's for sure. I'm sorry. It's all good. But no, talk to us about Barstool because I do, I am interested in the internet world and Barstool is a fascinating case study because, and I'm not telling anything you don't know, but you know, you get your traditional sports media, Fox, ESPN, CBS, all that. Barstool's breaking the mold. So what's the environment like? Tell us, give us the inside story on what Barstool is like. Uh, well, you know, Dave changes us to our desk and <laughs> makes us do inappropriate acts because that's what Dave Portnoy does to women. Um, so they would like for you uh, to... Right, right. right. <laughs> no, it is... Um, it is an open environment for you to do whatever the hell you want, mm. which is incredibly rare and also comes with its good thing, you know, the good and the bad. There's no one pressuring you to do anything, which also means that you like, you know, you can fall back and be like, I'm gonna just chill. chill yeah. Right. The opposite yeah. is that if you want to do something, they'll help you figure out a way to do it. Mm. And you so can, you're bringing the creative. Yes. And they're listening. So yep. the ideas are flowing. That's awesome that uh, they give you that platform to throw it out there. Yeah, and they'll tell you, like, this sucks. Right. Yeah. It probably sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Straight up. Is this yeah. a team? I know Dave is the figureheaded, but this is this a team of folks that, to, that you're going through? Yes and no. Everybody works very – so it's more the idea of if you have a show idea, go tape an episode or two. And then come, you know, come with that, mm-hmm. um, with that episode and you would show, you know, Dave or Jen or Erica and it would kind of, you build your little nest of, of who I need to speak to, to make this happen kind of right. idea. But it's also, you know, it is a small company, so you know each other pretty well right. as a result. And I think that they do a really good job of interacting with one another, not just really from like a talent standpoint. Like mm-hmm. I know um, Big Cat, for example, I've gone to him many times to just be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And he's always, he's a great listener and gives great advice. And he's also somebody that's been there mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning. Right. So there's, while there's no um, necessarily rigid system, mm-hmm. which has its good and it's mm-hmm. bad. Sure. I'm a very yeah. organized person right. and an over communicator. <laughs> I am probably too much of a communicator there. Cause I'm like, well, what about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you're free to do as you wish, which is incredibly rare. And, right. you know, there's also the, uh, I, I think I'm very fortunate in the sense that I got to know Dave through radio. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't feel like my boss to me. He feels like somebody that I argue with right. yeah. <laughs> and we argue about everything. But I have like, I have an immense amount of respect for what he has built and also, I trust him completely. Yeah. And I think that that's... And I think that shows. And it shows through the, the entire, you know, I think with the talent there that there is... You, know, you watch Dave on, on TV or... or well, uh, the pizza reviews are the greatest oh, 
three minutes. They, of they are man. They're classic. Like I don't know how many times I've died laughing just watching the pizza reviews. But there is a dialogue between the talent. He doesn't feel like he's your boss. He, he feels right. like he's one of your colleagues when you guys are on air, or the, when everyone's on air with him. So that's a lot of respect for him as far as his leadership capabilities as well. And he also, I mean, it, I'm still like very amazed. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the Barstool, uh, Barstool Fund. But that's something. We both, yeah, we yeah, both we donate are. to yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah no, it's, we, we did do. want to talk to you about that for yeah. sure. Yeah. But that's like an example of of the person that he is. I mean, he, first of all, says everything that's on his mind. So that's obviously not going to please people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. As I would know, it right. makes a lot of, you know, you make a lot of enemies in the process. But he finds a way to do things and do them well. And even like the fun most recently, and I was just talking to somebody about it today, so it's still kind of on my um, fresh in my mind, he said he was going to do it and he did it. And we're, you know, almost 40 million in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and who the hell would have thought I didn't think that, you know, I volunteered to help with it at the beginning because I, that's something that's very close to me and, and uh, you know, having waited tables right. for so long, but also it just, that part of me, the nonprofit side is, is very, yeah. still very active. And I thought like, Oh, all right, well, you know, maybe we'll get a few million. If we're mm-hmm. lucky, like, oh, man, it'd be nice to get, like, three or four. Like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And it just on, on and, and yeah. on yeah. and on. And I'm like, I can't, this guy, Yeah, like, it just. Well, the machine that's been created, I mean, no matter what you guys do, it just, it just explodes. And so for people that, aren't, people that are listening and may not be familiar, what is the Barstool Fund? What, what's the purpose of it? Tell us a little bit more about it. So the purpose of it is to uh, help small businesses get mm-hmm. through this period of, of lows. Obviously, the government has been fucking worthless mm-hmm. with helping businesses stay afloat mm-hmm. during a time when right. they're, you know, they're shut down or if they're open, they're at 25% capacity. Whatever the case may be, people are afraid to dine out. This whole, you know, which completely understandable. But if you're going to set these limits at the same time, then you need to provide support because these are the people that are helping keep this country moving. I mean, this is like the bread and butter of America. And you're telling them that they're not really that important right? Mm -hmm. because we're just going to, we'll just leave you alone. We're going to cut off your legs and your arms. You'll be fine. And so the Barstool Fund um, is interesting and also in the way that we pick businesses. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been going through all the businesses. uh, And you tell us how much you need. Obviously, we do our background and we, you know, vet companies. Mm -hmm. And we promise you that for as long as you need this or until this pandemic is over, mm-hmm. you will have that money. So if it's, you know, you need 8000 a month to stay alive, then we're going to guarantee here's it. eight grand yeah. until, yeah. you know, right. whatever X period it ends up being. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of businesses too, and I've already seen a lot of businesses come back and say, you know what? We've received funds for two months and that's enough. Thank uh, you so much. Oh, wow. See, that is something. Yes. That's it. To, yeah. to literally to send an email yeah. to somebody yes. that's like, I just needed that 12K yeah. for two months. Now, like, there's other people that need it more. Give it to them. That's I just, I just needed to get my head above water for a second. That's, that's right. when it's yeah, like, that's Yeah, with so much up. negativity that we've experienced uh-huh. over the last couple of years, whether it be social, whether it be social media uh, issues yeah. or, you know, COVID and all. I mean, just to hear those stories and to see those stories. Like, I don't know. I get the, the thrill out of them. We, we have this little thread within our own, you know, the Darren Woodson show, just a text message. And, we'll, you know, Ben will send out some of those highlights. And they're like, I mean, it's tear-jerking because this is people, this, this is their livelihood. This is the only way they survive. And there's so many times that these the restaurants or those little small restaurants, 
how 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 integral they are in those mm. communities. Oh just yeah, just for li- relief, time. just for relief, yeah. for people to come in and 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 uh, and sit down and have breakfast or whatever. But it's just it's 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 so warm to see the reaction and their real reactions. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they and you know they. It's been just a blessing in so many ways, and also just a, a nice, exactly, just a nice thing to look at. It just yeah. it feels good to feels good. to see people who have worked their entire lives to build this mm-hmm. thing, and to still have it, and to be able to have it, and to be yeah. able to have somebody. Because I think at the end of the day, what we all want is to be seen. Yeah. By. You know, by our partners, by people in our lives, whatever the case may be. And if this is your business, like you just want somebody to say, I see you, you're struggling, we got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, their stories are completely authentic and genuine. In some cases, they've had the business for 70, 60 years. And just the idea of COVID coming in and wiping out, yeah. you know, yeah. six decades of memories and of history is right. just, right. it's just wild. And I hope that also, from the consumer standpoint that we all appreciate those businesses a lot more, yeah, if nothing absolutely. else coming out of this, because, you know, birthdays get together, good times. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where you have them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I want to mend something I said. I said the pizza reviews are the best piece of content. No, actually it's these <laughs> yeah. Dave FaceTimes with, you know, but those pizza owner. reviews are hilarious. hilarious. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're not here to give yeah. Dave yeah. all the compliments <laughs> in the world. Let's, let's move on. Speak, let, let's take the back to you, back to you. What's the future look like? Where are you headed personally? Where's Barstool headed? What's the future look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, like I'm, I'm at Barcelona and I will be at Barcelona mm-hmm. under contract that there's not, you know, nothing of that nature. But what show I'm, I'm working on trying to figure out like what my next show is. I don't know yet. I have some ideas in the works. I'm playing with a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, Fourth co-host of the Darren Woodson show. Yeah. Let's go. Let, let's on. bring the Darren mm-hmm. Woodson show. We got to change the name, though. I mean, nobody wants that. Let's bring mouth. it over to Barstool. Blasphemous. <laughs> We, Basically, this is my next show is what I'm trying yes, to say. Love it. Love it. We, we have, no, in all seriousness, we're thinking like, should we continue with the Darren Woodson show? Should we change the name? Maybe the Ben Gibbs show? I don't know. No, that's not happening. <laughs> but we have always talked yeah. about that. But look, I, I, it's I, not about us. Look, back I, to you. And I don't want Please it to Please don't be. name it Boys Will Be Boys. No. No. Please don't no. Let, let me just go ahead and put that out there no. as, maybe, I, see, as no. I see the goddamn stars shining out behind the, your head. Maybe oh. the Packer like killers that. or. Yeah. <laughs> Destruction. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, I would say this. I know, look, I love you, and, I, and I've known you forever, but I, I've also known, and, and we've gone down the bar still away, but I also know that you've had some things in your life that have, that have taken place that, that a lot of people probably don't know. Uh, there was an, an accident. You had a, an accident where you were hit by a car. How's that situation gone on, and, and what's the recovery like? It was very humbling, I will say, and I say that not in a, uh, I'm saying it to sound cool. I say it in a way that, like, I think that, I've always been a very go, 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 go person. Yeah. And I was forced to slow down because I couldn't walk. I mean, it really was that simple. I, I could not do all these things that constantly keep me busy and moving. And when you sit with yourself mm. in silence for that long, your brain starts to like initially really go at you. I think for the first couple months, I was like, oh, this is nice. I'm doing, you know. So let me set it up. So you're in New York City. You, you, you end up getting hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saved Eli. 
You brought, Eli you out of moved, the way a little bit. Thank hero. God. Oh my God. Now look at you. Saved I might have killed that. You saved him. You saved him. You saved him. It's a, no, it's she saved true. Eli. No, it's, it's true. Talking about with an Abilene with a stalker. Oh, the stalker. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. That's you're right. right. Y'all are y'all are bonded, man. Oh, he saves me every day. My yeah. sweet boy. Oh my gosh. Shut up, Darren. Right. Darren is not an Eli fan. <laughs> so that happens. And how, how long were you in the hospital? So I was only in the hospital for about two days, and after being hit by a car. Yes, yes. Wow. I was, things were stabilized in a way. And they told, so then when I went to the orthopedic surgeon, the first go around, he was like, oh, well, the way things are, it should be around two to three months. And I was like, if they're telling me two to three months, I'm going to do it in four. Oh, right. yeah. Right. Four weeks. Four weeks. Four, yeah, weeks, no, not I, four months. I, I'm tracking with <laughs> you. Go, no. That would Wait go in. <laughs> they no. say two, oh, I'm staying here six. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do it in four weeks. I'm milking this thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> And I thought, please, it's fine. Fine. Things, things will heal. We'll, things will go back where they're supposed to go yeah. back. And um, it did not work out that way. It was actually extremely frustrating because things are moving in reverse, mm-hmm. which doesn't usually happen. Right. <laughs> and even like I went to, then I've seen so many doctors and then it's the idea of, we don't really know what's happening or why this is happening. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't live well in a, yeah. I don't know phase when there are, you know, or at least when you think, hey, if it's my, you know, lower back, what, like, what do you mean? This mm-hmm. is like, it's, it's not some like rare disease no one's ever heard of. Like, why, right. where, where is it? Just fix it. Let's go. Right. It does not work out that way. Or it did not mm-hmm. for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like every MRI, well, things aren't really, Feeling I don't know the what same to, way. yeah. Right, right. It was very frustrating, especially because I was very, confident going out of the gate that like we're gonna be fine we're gonna get through this and and then Mm -hmm. it's like you get to a certain point too where you start to hear bad news so often and then you start to fall into a little bit I fell into a hole for sure and I think that was maybe even like with everything that's happened in my life that this was really the only place that I can look to and say like I I lost myself a little bit you're vulnerable yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah And it took you, what, how many months did it take you to finally try to get out of this? And how, and how did you come out of this? So it took, well, it was about eight months of not walking um, solo mm-hmm. with, with crutches. Gosh. I could, I could, you know, get around. Um, but it's like everything hurt. And then mm-hmm. I think I was very resistant to everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and resentful of like initially of, well, not initially for that, you know, eight, nine month period of I'm sitting in this chair and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And it would like start to piss me off because I'd be like, why can't I just sit in this chair? I right. just want to sit in this chair. Mm-hmm. I'm standing. It hurts. Like every, and as somebody that, you know, I've never, I was fortunate enough to never be in any other situation where my body was not where I wanted it to be. And it just, it became really frustrating because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, this was before COVID and I couldn't go out to eat because I couldn't sit in a restaurant chair. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, you know, bring around my little cushion and try sometimes and, and I would have to leave because it's like, I can't sit for this long. And it was just a nightmare. It, it was tough. And I felt weak and I'm not good at feeling weak right. or vulnerable. So as yeah. we were talking, like, Did you I have any support? Was anyone there to support you? I mean, the, the thing is, is my family is here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, they would, my mom would come and, um, my aunt would come and she was a flight attendant. So she was there more often just because she would fly into, you know, LaGuardia or whatever the case. But 
for the most part, I was like, besides having e- Eli, thank mm-hmm. God, right. I was totally alone. And it just, it throws everything off too, because your routine, like example, like with Eli, I, best part of my day is like getting up and walking him. Up. Yeah. Couldn't do that. Yeah. And then it's like, all of those little things just start to add up, right. you know? And for mm-hmm. a while, like I couldn't, the first few weeks, I couldn't bathe myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, having to ask people to, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sucks. And it also puts you again in a place of mm-hmm. you're uh, it's up to Depend- somebody else yeah. to take care yeah. of you. And I'm yeah. not somebody that's very good at being uh right. at allowing people to take care of me. Yeah. So what'd you get out of that, Liz? That whole Yeah, what did that situation? What did it teach you? To slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that um I think that I guess I needed to slow down and it took <laughs> it took a okay. car to yeah. uh, hitting me to be able to understand that. But yeah, I think now it's I was already very much into learning and growing as a, as a person and super into, you know, mm-hmm. meditating mm-hmm. and just figuring out how, how can I be better? You know, mm-hmm. how do I reach that self-fulfillment top of the, of the pyramid? And this was a silencer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need silence. And, yeah. and I, I was able to deal with a lot of things in the past, you know, through my therapist, which mm-hmm. I had already been seeing before. But it brought up all of these feelings that I thought that I had dealt with. I'm right. like, well, I've been in therapy for years. And, mm-hmm. and it's like all of a sudden everything kind of came up at once. And so mm-hmm. when you're like in a hole of shit, you got to sit there yeah. and yeah. look around and be like, how do I see these things, acknowledge them and then say goodbye. Yeah. Right. Man, yeah. That's awesome, man. man. So you want to give, you guys want to get hit by a car? Hell no. no girl. Uh, I've had Hell a, no. Yeah. yeah no, we both, been, former athletes, we've been hit enough. Yeah. Not by a damn car. <laughs> <laughs> I will say before, we do have a final question we ask every guest, but Elizabeth had a question that she wanted to make sure we touch on, and you don't have a microphone, but you tell me and I'll, I'll ask it just so our audience can hear it. And just for people that didn't hear that, what is your advice or what do you say to uh, uh, the women's movement in sports? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I would say the, the plus of the situation that we're in is while you know, companies like ESPN are mm-hmm. laying a lot of people off, you do have your phone and you do have the internet. And there are tons of people that are out there going you know, viral, doing really stupid shit. <laughs> I think that also the, the reverse... Can, you know, is and also can be true, is just take yourself to, you know, a game. If that's what, if you want to be a signer, take yourself to a game and start taping and put it up. And there, I mean, there have been people mm. that have become famous from, like the guy who was doing his stand-up in whatever small town and the, was it the bee or whatever yeah. came flying at him? Yeah. But, I mean, obviously that's just to go viral. Was that, was that the brother that was in? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what was it? Was a it fly Tampa, went into was his it Florida or something. He was like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there is an internet like build it yourself i mean this was also not that was definitely not true when i started there right. was no you couldn't like nobody was there was no platform to, i guess you could put it on youtube but mm-hmm. that wasn't really 
Now there's people are on their phones entirely too much in my opinion, but they are on their phones all the time. Build your own, you know, brand and get other people involved. If there's other people that want to do it with you, I mean, I think that that's how people get seen nowadays. And I don't, I'm a little bit out of touch, to be honest. I'm not like one of the cool Mm -hmm. kids, but I feel like that's how people now do get discovered in a a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. I know that Barstool brings in people that have, for the most part, that have done things on their own Mm -hmm. and that have just built a following from, you know, doing whatever, whatever they, you know, they feel like doing. So I think that, and we'll come back too. I mean, it's, everything is cyclical, you know, at some point, you know, networks will become they'll figure out a way to kind of incorporate the internet in a mm-hmm. way that Barcelona has been so successful and i think that tv's not going away anytime soon mm-hmm. right. and and they will come back it's just a matter of people expecting things to be different and appreciating the differences yeah oh, that's good yeah i mean that's and that's advice for anybody i mean not obviously not just women and what i'll take away from this conversation is your relentless spirit. Yeah. And you had a dream, you had a goal, and you were going to go get it no matter what. And I love that. I love that relentlessness that you, that you show. So last question, unless you have anybody, anybody No, else. go ahead. I'm yeah. So we just went through your whole journey. Awesome story. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, not necessarily go change anything, but if you could just tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? I would go back to, well, first of all, I would like to say that I was extremely unfortunate looking for, from like the age of six to 14. <laughs> and people always say like, oh yeah, like you, everybody was awkward looking middle school. I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't like a matter of like awkwardness. This is like, I had family members that today tell me like they they were nice to me when I was young. Because I was so ugly. So, oh, so they were looking yes, at you like, Damn. Exactly. I think the way you said it, though, ex- extremely <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> looking. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> but it, like at the same time, I was like, well. Yeah, that's uh, Bill is about to explode. Don't worry yeah, about it. Don't Play through adversity. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also why I watch sports so much, too. And, like, you know, is and my friends were all boys right? because it, nobody was hooking up with me. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, granted I was, I was, you know, 13, 14, what I'm talking about there, but, but as a result, like I think guys also, you know, when you have your little crushes, when yeah. you're in like fifth yeah. grade, yeah. nobody had a crush on me. They all wanted to be my friend. Right. So yeah. growing up, my friends were all boys Been there for that reason. <laughs> right. And in that way it worked out like, you know, long-term is cause you can just go up to random, you know, football players like Darren Woodson right. and insult them out of the gate and feel comfortable doing that. It's all good. So I guess I would go back and I would say, trust, trust mm-hmm. that everything will work out exactly as it should. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's I feel that now, but I did not necessarily then. And I think right. it would have been nice for, for little Liz to know, yeah. Yeah. trust it will, it will be okay. Love yeah. It. And it has been okay. Uh, I've watched okay. you grow for so long, Liz. I mean, 11 you know, me, years, 11 I guess. 11 years yeah. being at, at ESPN yeah. and. And knowing that you, there was a hunger and a thirst, and uh, you've been unrelenting. And that's, it's just, you know, glad we got you on the yes. show because yeah. there's so much that uh, today that came out, so much positive that came out of this today. So keep doing what you're doing on Barstool. Yeah. Keep growing, girl. We're going to keep we love going watching. Thank you, Darren. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Yeah. And Abilene. Oh, and, God. And, and, and oh, thanks God. to Abilene. Just for, remember for the my prettiest start. town you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Thanks.